Oh, rad. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron, for for leading us into this. Hi, friends. This is Heroes You Should Know. Uh, the the uh, what do I call it? Usually the double nerd show where we talk about historical figures that we really definitely should know um, and don't uh, for a plethora of reasons, and then we turn them into D and D characters because why wouldn't we? Uh, and this week I have my buddy Zakia with me. I'm very, I'm very glad you're here to do this, this, uh, this nonsense show with me. I love history. I love friendship. I love D and D. What's not to, what's not to be excited about? Um, I'm trying to think if there are any announcements to get out of the way. I don't think there are. Besides the fact that Ashoka is coming back tomorrow, not tomorrow. Friday, that's the word. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. One day I'll get better at this, I swear. It's not today. <clears throat> and on that note, hi! Um, we are going to be talking about Hatshepsut, who was a, an ancient Egyptian pharaoh. She's super cool. We're going to get into it in just a minute. But uh, at the top of this, I'm just going to give a blanket warning. Um, because this is ancient royalty, there's going to be some incest up in this, and like it's unavoidable. Sorry. Um, also, on a, on a similar note, I'm yo. Cool, cool, cool. We'll take a quick pause. I'll have a sip of my juice and my cat cup. It's all good. <laughs> Eli says, we've all seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, Green Vader says, your eyeshadow is fire. And they're correct. <laughs> it's bomb as hell. <laughs> Uh, well, you're beautiful as always. Um, and where, what were we talking? Oh, yes. Um, so royals. I don't care about them terribly at all. Nobility has no interest to me. And so the like stacking of things and the way things shake out with nobility, I did my very best to understand it, but I don't care about it that much. So I'm, so it, it, it'll be a little wispy at times <laughs> apologies um and then also <laughs> i took egyptology in college and there are facts about egypt bouncing around in my head that i don't know what to do with and so sometimes they may come out they may be relevant they may not i apologize one off the top of my head the only one i remember with any kind of clarity is that the name susan is actually from ancient Egypt because there are cartouches that have the su, the z, and the n sound, and it makes Susan. Fun fact. <laughs> the eternal Susan. Um, and as always, with history this long ago, there are going to be discrepancies in lengths of time, um, where things happened, when things happened, who things happened to. We'll, we're doing our best. Um, we're just taking the widely, the most widely accepted numbers, the most with them, 
are they a hundred percent true? Hopefully. Um, but you know, it was 3000 plus years ago. So who knows? <laughs> it's definitely before. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, anyway, so let's, let's jump into this right now. So Hatshepsut was the second, uh, female Pharaoh and the longest reigning female Pharaoh of any indigenous dynasty period. Uh, she's the first, conf or, so I'm sorry. So the first confirmed uh, female pharaoh was Sobek Nefru, uh, who was the last ruler of the 12th dynasty in Egypt and ruled for about four years between 1806 and 1802 BCE. So like we're working, we're working backwards with time. Um, so she died without an heir and was subsequently um, brought around the end of the 12th dynasty and ushered in the 13th. Um, so there are also other earlier women who were rulers and led the, led, led different dynasties. Like way back in the first dynasty, there was um, Meranith, uh, Nidocris in the sixth. Uh, but there's no like full on proof that they were that they were actual rulers. I like the idea that they were real rulers, though. <laughs> um, anyway, back to. <laughs> Back to Hatshepsut, she is considered one of the most successful pharaohs in the ancient Egyptian um, Middle Kingdom. Uh, so there's like the Old Kingdom, the Middle Kingdom, and the New Kingdom. And that's like, um, the Old Kingdom is the oldest time period. Middle Kingdom, obviously the middle. And the New Kingdom is when they um, interacted with like the Greeks and like the Library of Alexandria came about, uh, Cleopatra, the Roman, all that, all that kind of stuff happened in the New Kingdom. So we are in the Middle Kingdom. Uh, specifically in the 18th dynasty. So she is the fifth pharaoh of the 18th dynasty. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. I lost my place. Of course I did. There we are. Okay. So this is also when ancient Egypt is like, like at its height. Um, there are a few other notable um, 18th dynasty rulers. Uh, there was Tutmos. There are like multiple Tutmoses. We're actually going to talk about at least three of them. Tumos one, two, and three. There is Akhenaten, who was from who was formerly called Amenhotep the Fourth. Uh, so he moved like the the capital city around um, away from Thebes, and then uh, it got moved back to Thebes afterwards because he started a cult called the uh, it was for the cult of Aten, which was the whole idea of his was that he was going to um, have like a monotheistic kind of mood going rather than polytheistic. Uh, but it didn't last super long. It lasted only for his reign. And then they moved the capital back to Thebes, um, away from uh, Amar, uh, sorry, Amarnato, Amarnato, Jesus. Uh, and they moved it back to Thebes. Anyway, uh, and then there was Neferutaten, who was more commonly known as Nefertiti. She was Akhenaten's great royal wife, which is the title that, like, the first, like, the most important wife of the pharaoh gets. Um, and she, there's, talks that she might have ruled for a little bit in like in the in the in the in-between times before Tutankhamun came into power um but that's kind of unconfirmed uh and then of course there's King Tut who ruled died young we all know about King Tut yes um but before all of those people they were closer to the end of the 18th dynasty we are on Hatshepsut she was born in 1507 BCE um <clears throat> 
So her father is Tutmose the first, and he's a pharaoh, and her mother is his consort Amos. Um, so Tutmose the first dies. Like he's he's a he's a dude. He's gonna die because he doesn't matter in this one specifically. Um, besides the fact that he's the pharaoh before Tutmose the second, who is his son, and he takes the throne around nine or fourteen ninety three. Um, and he is technically uh, Hatshepsut's half brother, or half yes, half brother. Um, That's right. We were hitting the incest real quick. Um, uh, they were half siblings because uh, Tutmos's uh, other consort was Muchnofret, uh, and that was Tutmos the Second's mother, where Amos was Hatshepsut's, and she would have been around like thirteen or fourteen when they got married. Fun times. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So yes, she ends up marrying her half brother, and so Tutmos the second and Hatshepsut have one kid. It's Neferure, who is um, who is their their daughter. She's a princess. She she eventually takes on some of the some of the the roles that Hatshepsut takes on uh, that Hatshepsut took on when her dad was king. So she kind of takes over where her mother left off, left off essentially. Um, mm -hmm. And after that, Hatshepsut can't have any more kids. Um, so then, eventually, Tutmose's rule comes to an end because he dies in 1479. And his son, which is the Third, with Isit, who was a different consort from Hatshepsut, is two years old. <laughs> um, and so, obviously, we can't have a two-year-old running a dynasty. So... so Right. <laughs> like, why, why, what, in what world is that a good idea? What could go wrong? <laughs> Just like candy for, for dinner and no sleep. That's how it works. Yep. <laughs> so he'll tell it like it is. He will. Um, yes. So two-year-old can't run the dynasty. Hatshepsut is the, uh, the, what was the, oh my gosh. I, where are the words? Where are the words that I need? They're gone today, and it's okay. Uh, so she's like the the foremost wife. Hatshepsut is the foremost wife of Tutmos the second, and even though she isn't Tutmos the third's mother, she takes over as queen regent, which basically means she's ruling as a placeholder for the true heir. Um, but about seven years after that, she takes the um, she takes the the title of pharaoh, and so. So the entirety of her reign, she and Tutmos the third, or yes, Tutmos the third, are technically co-regents, uh, which means they're co-rulers. Um, but for the most part, she she's the one that kind of handles everything. So she's twenty eight. She her husband brother has died. Her stepson nephew is technically the king, and she's in charge of all of you know ancient Egypt. Um. So basically, this happened in a couple different ways the long and short of it is she was very smart in the way she did things yes um so and during this time in ancient egypt it was a pretty patriarchal society but women could own and inherit land they could get an education they could hold political power um it was just kind of like dude led um but because that jumps out a princess and she's like high up and has like a pretty high standing in society she's super educated which uh, wasn't always available to all women uh, in ancient Egypt. They were they had more access to education than in other civilizations, like in Rome. 
<clears throat> anyway. Um, but also lower class folks had significantly less access to education or quality or quantity of education, which is something we continue to see to this day. So same song, different era. Um, so yes, so she's educated. And then she's also super well connected um, because she's a princess and she's the wife of a pharaoh and she's the daughter of a pharaoh. And she already has this incredible understanding of how like the inner workings of the government work how the inner, inner workings of religion work. And she has a way that she can kind of spin it in her favor. Because the, like I said, she already has these connections, these people that know her, that like trust her um, and have worked with her. And then she is the God's wife of Amun, which uh, is usually a title given to wives or daughters, daughters of pharaohs, um, which is what Neferere becomes. Um, so this basically refers to the myth of the divine birthing a king. AKA the mother of a Pharaoh is actually impregnated by the God of sun and air, which is Amun, um, who is like the king of the gods, basically. So saying that she is the God's wife of Amun is basically like saying, I married the version of Amun that's walking around. So like, I'm obviously already worthy. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> which is so, like very smart. <laughs> As just like a system that, that, they've, that, they've, that they have in, in place. And then adding on top of that, her bloodline is basically undeniable because she is daughter, wife, and sister to two pharaohs. You know, Triple threat. That's, that's <laughs> what that means. That's definitely what that means. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's, she's got a lot going for her. She knows how stuff works. She's already on the inside. And, and you know, her competition's a two-year-old, so... <laughs> um, so seventh year of ruling, she proclaimed herself as king of Egypt, but keeps uh, Tutmos the second, or I'm sorry, Tutmos the third as co-regent. Mm -hmm. um, and her reign is somewhere between 21 and 22 years, and it's ostensibly very peaceful. Uh, there was like maybe a brief successful military campaign into Nubia, but that's kind of unconfirmed. There are kind of like conflicting, conflicting um, like historical reports. records. Yeah, yeah. That it may or may not have happened, and if and if it did, it was very brief. It was pretty peace peaceable. It wasn't like an all-out bloodbath. Um, so what does she do during this time? Um, well, a lot. <laughs> so first, she reestablishes trade routes that had been destroyed when the Hyksos occupied Egypt during the Second Intermediate Period. <laughs> Going back to my small amount of knowledge. So there's like, there's the old kingdom. And somewhere in the old kingdom, there's an intermediate period. And that intermediate period is when Egypt is ruled by other folks that aren't like Egyptians. <clears throat> and then there's a second intermediate period where the Hyksos came in. And it's about 100 years uh, before Hatshepsut's reign. So it's in the early 1600s-ish. Excuse me. So she's um, so so yeah. So the the Hyksos came in. They kind of took over. They ruled everything for a bit, and then the Egyptians got them out of there. Um, this was kind of like the first one of the first big like expulsions of people of um, foreign powers. I guess it was. Oh. Um. So I couldn't really get like a full bead on exactly where they were from but for the most part it was talked about either somewhere north close to the mediterranean or from the very western part of asia 
Um, so like um, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, that kind of area, or mm-hmm. or like a little bit like or like pushing into where Greece eventually is. I see. Um, so they've 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 gotten rid of the Hyksos and they're trying they've um, they're trying to like rebuild these connections that they had before. Um, so okay, so to get kind of a geographical idea of what things are. So here's the like here's the the delta of the Nile and up here is the Mediterranean, and it curves down and then there's like this little hook in it, and then it goes down a little further. And in that hook, uh, on the outside of it, is where Thebes is. Uh, Egypt, ancient Egyptian Thebes, not Greek Thebes. Uh, and then it goes down a little further, and then there's like the uh, the, the little pointy part of it. the Horn of Africa. Yes, <laughs> the pointy. Yes, part. yes, the pointy uh, part of Africa. Yes, yes good. Yes. <laughs> um, so the Horn of Africa, and at the on the Horn of Africa is a an, um, a civilization called Punt. And Punt was, um, it's it's close to like where modern day Somalia is. And it was known for like producing and exporting goods like gold, ivory, aromatic resins, blackwood, ebony, and wild animals. Um, so back in like the fifth dynasty, Egyptians and the Puntians, Punt folks, I don't know. Uh, punts. They, the, the punts? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think I like that best. <laughs> um they would um, kind of they they had they had pretty regular trade and and punt was a very um, it was known for like all of the, the the nice things that it that it exported and it was kind of like lavish and and it, um, what's the word I'm looking for gosh it's it's escaped me it doesn't matter it's it was it was a cool place it was a it was a nice fancy place and trade with them was important. Um, So this is in the ninth year of her reign. She sends a full fleet of five ships into the Red Sea with about 210 soldiers and rowers. And they come back with a ton of goods like uh, frankincense, which, okay. So (laughs) I realized that I should know what frankincense is because that's that's I, I don't I don't know what frankincense is. And for anyone else who didn't know what frankincense was, it is an aromatic resin from a boswellia tree that is used in incense and perfume. Uh, they also had myrrh, which again I have no idea what it actually is. Here we go. It's, it's another. Uh, yeah, it's a gum resin. <laughs> say it's a, it, those are both. Uh, <laughs> my brain wants to say Jesus props. <laughs> They're important story. Yes. Yes, they are. So that's... Which is why I didn't really know what they were. Um, Growing up unreligious, I had no idea what they were. And I was... I I, Like, I always heard... I was like, oh, yeah, frankincense and myrrh. (gasps) Murder! And that's the only, like... The only... That's good. (laughs) So I decided I would finally look up what the hell they were. It's pretty cool. Uh, they're from trees, from those like spiky bitch trees, the uh, comophoria trees. They're very pretty. Uh, also, you could use myrrh for medicine, apparently. Who knew? Anyway, so delegations yeah. from Punt return with 21 live myrrh trees, and the roots had been uh, kept in baskets for the return trip. 
And this was the first recorded attempt to transplant foreign trees. Um, and then she also planted those trees in the courts of her mortuary temple complex, which is so cool. That's a power move. Yeah. But also, like, they transplanted plants up a river, or I guess technically down a river. Down, up, yeah. Up north, down the river. <laughs> yes. <laughs> up south, up, the river. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, trophy garden. For sure. Uh, and she also would grind up the frankincense into her coal eyeliner, which I think is interesting to have like smell good eyeliner, like scratch and sniff eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be so painful, but that just speaks to power. Yeah, like beauty is pain, right? Yes. Isn't that what they say? Yes. She said girl boss. <laughs> I still don't understand that girl boss gatekeep whatever meme i I'm, don't keep me neither okay, i think good. it's it's just the absurdity of it but right awesome <laughs> um, amanda says would not just burn your eyes i don't know amanda i've never personally no, it, it would as someone who's who's made weird <laughs> made weird shit with plants and accidentally got <laughs> it in their eye it does burn it would burn uh, that's you gotta be real fucking careful yeah uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm catching up on chat and seeing seeing my my friend talking about the uh, the vine. <laughs> I got you, ladybug. I'm just um, gonna say I had a herbalism phase, Aaron. I got you. I want to talk about that at some point, please. <laughs> just you and me. I'd love to just sit and talk about herbalism. I yes, don't know yes. anything, but I'm interested in it, and I would like to. I would like to hear your. I'd just like to hear your experiences, my friend. Trial by error is the the experiences. Great. I love it. Would you okay, like if, if you were if someone was like, here's some coal eyeliner from like the middle kingdom of ancient Egypt, do you think you would try to use it? Oh, yes. I know it would be bad. <laughs> I should not use it at all. It should be kept as like like something to look back on as an artifact. Right. Immediately going on the lash line. <laughs> Thick cat eye. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm in support of you experimenting with this however you see fit. <laughs> ancient eyeliner. Yes. Actually, yeah. If anyone in, in chat has ancient eyeliner that they want to send, we don't have a PO box yet. But hold on, we'll we'll get it to you. If you're if you're an illegal uh, archaeologist and you want to, so. oh, especially. Honestly, if you're an illegal archaeologist, I want to talk to you because that's saying, cool as fuck. <laughs> I mean, maybe not the illegal part of it, but I just want to talk to you about archaeology. I have an anthropology minor. I won't be able to keep up, but I like it. Oh, Aaron said group trip to Egypt. Absolutely. Yes, he's correct. We're doing it. Yes. <laughs> Meg said, would that just be a grave robber? And she's right, it would. Um, but I don't. You're right. I was gonna say a grave robber, but with government grants. There it is. But then I would also want to do like an like a like a heist and be like, "Hey, cool, let's talk about this thing. Let me see this artifact you found. All right, you're asleep. I'm taking it back and putting it where it belongs." And then maybe that we yeah we only do we only do archaeology that's already been discovered and we put it back. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's the new that's the new mayday move. Hold the podcast. 
We have to go find archaeologists first. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> now that we've officially uh, sidelined ourselves, uh, we'll mm-hmm. come. We'll mm-hmm. bring it back. We'll bring it back. Yes. Um, so there are also reports that she sent raiding expeditions to Byblos and the Sinai Peninsula. Um, but it also, again, questionable because historically her foreign policy was mostly peaceful. So questionable, could have happened, could not. Um, there's also uh, evidence that she renewed trade with Western Asia and the Aegean Islands. So connection and like talking to uh, folks that they're eventually going to have contact with in ancient Egypt, um, but a little earlier than expected. Again, not confirmed, but just a cool possibility. She was also a pretty prolific builder. Um, I mean, I mean, like she, she wasn't the physical builder of things. She commissioned things and like hundreds of construction projects all throughout like upper and lower Egypt. Um, and so she works with a couple of architects, which is Inenai, who worked for her father uh, and her husband and her brother. Um, I can't let, is that I can't one let person? Uh, no, actually it's two. <laughs> okay. Um, and then also Senemut, who is an architect and government official. Uh, they were said to have a pretty co- close relationship. Um, some people are like, they were lovers, but also who knows. Um, so she had a ton of monuments constructed at the Temple of Karnak, which was constructed in the 1900s BCE and was added to by by most pharaohs all the way up through the Ptolemaic period, which is in the um, in like the 30s BCE. So that thing has been going for nearly... I guess nearly 4,000 years now. Wild. I mean, I don't think it's been like built on since the 30s BCE, but still it's been around since then. And that's fucking dope. <laughs> yes. That's, today is the, I was, okay. This is another sort of diatribe, but I was looking in my almanac today mm-hmm. um, because I found it under the bed looking for D&D books. And I realized today is the day <laughs> of, it's the anniversary of the, um, alleged discovery of the Library of Alexandria, or rediscovery, rather, yeah. um, in 2004. So on this day, we do Egypt shit. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's Egypt holiday. holiday. Yes. <sighs> I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, this is great. These are my, I, love, I love being sidetracked. It's, that sounded like, <laughs> that sounded sarcastic, but it was genuine. I do like No. <laughs> Okay, I just don't. I don't want to throw off your groove, and I keep doing it. I have no away. groove. I've never had a groove ever in my life. <laughs> I just like talking about things, and then my mouth gets ahead of my brain, or my brain gets ahead of my mouth, and it's all a mess. But we're here now, and we're talking about the Temple of Karnak, and now we're going to talk about res- restoration of the original pre- precinct of Mut. So Mut is a uh, a goddess who's like the primordial mother deity associated with Nu which is the primordial waters from which everything is born. So they're like, they're the like two land meets water kind of um, creation uh, myth, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had been destroyed by the Hyksos, Hyksos occupation. Um, and that unfortunately got torn down by other pharaohs. So she, so she put a bunch of work into the precinct of Mut and then it got torn down by other pharaohs, which wasn't an uncommon thing. Um, Pharaohs would tear things down 
uh, to use those resources for their own projects. They would tear them down to be like, no, I can make this better. It was it was just kind of a, a grab bag of what survived and what didn't. Um, but at the precinct of Moot, she commissioned twin obelisks, which were the tallest uh, obelisks in the world at the time to stand at the entrance of the temple. Uh, one of which is actually still standing today and is the tallest surviving ancient obelisk on earth. And it's called Hatshepsut's Needle, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Um, what, sorry? Oh, I was going to say that's good branding for her. Yeah. Like if it's lasted this long, we still call it Hatshepsut's Needle. Uh, so there's also the Temple of Paquet, which uh, which she built. It is a temple to the lioness warrior goddess. Um, so she's kind of believed to be a uh, a combination of Bastet from Lower Egypt and Sekhemhet from Upper Egypt. Flip those. Um, and so it's a, it's a temple to a god that's maybe a combination of the two. And it's actually built pretty near the border where uh, Upper Egypt and Lo Lower Egypt were. Um, so that's cool, I think. Uh, so it's a huge underground temple cut into the rock cliffs, um, lots of lioness um, imagery. And when the, so, so for like kind of a reference, when the Greeks saw it, they kind of immediately associated with, associated it with Artemis. So kind of neat. I see. I mean, I, I, I feel like all, all ancient, not all, but a lot of ancient, like, deities are going to have a ton of crossover like yeah. like how we saw within hedjuana and like um words i can't remember their names aphrodite was where they ended up i yeah one day my brain will work guys and it'll be a glorious day it'll be over for everyone but for now we continue because of course she builds a mortuary temple like most pharaohs do so hers was called jaser jaseru um and it is in dir el bari dir el bari Dear Al Bahri, which is on the west banks of the Nile. Um, so, so basically, we're back to this little like curve in the in the Nile, and her like Thebes is over here, kind of near where Luxor is in Egypt now, present day. And then in in the little inlet across the river is where the mortuary temple was built. And so it was de designed by Senenmut. And was one of the first buildings in the Valley of Kings. And so the Valley of Kings is where pharaohs would later be laid to rest. They all built their, like, a, a lot of them built their complexes there. Uh, her father, I think her father was actually the first pharaoh laid to rest in uh, the Valley of Kings. Um, so it's, it's a super complex facade. There's, like, colonnades, uh, which, and it was built almost a thousand years before the Parthenon, which is kind of, like, the most recognized colonnaded structure and this is a thousand years before that which is cool um and it had like terraces where there were ponds and gardens and like they they made it like lush and beautiful um and it's a pretty significant advance in architecture which i realized she can't take credit for and there were architects that were doing the work that she was commissioning yes. um but having them implemented is cool and having that like be a significant part of her her reign i think is neat um yeah so overall her rule is marked as a pretty big time of growth and expansion and accomplishment um and between her involvement as i was saying with her dad and her husband's brother uh as pharaohs and her intelligence and her position as queen regent no one 
really questioned her place of power. Excuse me. And that included um, Tutmos III. So he, you know, he grows older and he kind of starts to take on more responsibility as co-regent. Uh, and he's kind of in charge of the army, which would, which technically, if you think about it, would have given him the necessary power to, to like overwhelm her and usurp her and take like full pharaonic title of like, it's just me. I'm the pharaoh. That's it. Um, but he didn't, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of interesting. That's usually if there's a, a woman in power, her whole narrative is generally about not dying because she's a woman in power, and everyone around her just kind of seems chill. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's nice. A lot of times, also, I'm like, hey, peaceful. There's a woman in power. Cool, nice. <laughs> Come to yeah. think of it, <laughs> that sounds cool. It's nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he's he's pretty, I think he, it seems like from this evidence, he's pretty happy with how things are going. He's pretty comfortable with it. Um, and now we get to kind of more interesting, not that everything wasn't interesting, but like another kind of layer of all of this about why she may have kept her power, why she may have had the power to begin with. So she wears all the like pharaonic regalia. So there's the cot, which is like the head cloth, and then the the uraeus which is the you know the the like classic big headpiece that like yes. kind of comes down the shoulder that's the uraeus and so she wears that she wears the fake beard which other which which male pharaohs wore too and it was like a symbol of um status essentially and then there's a shendit kilt which is kind of like a like an asymmetrical <laughs> kind of yes um, little, yes yeah, yeah yeah you like these are all things that we've definitely seen in like ancient Egyptian media. Um, yeah. These are the words for them. So there are also a number of statues that present her in a female or like a more feminine form. And then also in a more masculine form. And it's pretty, it's pretty equal how she's, how she's depicted. Uh, but she is always in that like Royal garb. There are, there are uh, statues and things like that where like she, like she's sculpted, in a traditionally masculine way and is standing in a traditionally masculine posture. Uh, and then on the flip side, traditionally feminine form and posture there. Are, I think there are a few where she's in a traditionally feminine pose, but in it, but like sculpted as a masculine form. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a whole, like could be anything. <clears throat> so, um, she also takes the throne name Ma'at Kare or uh, truth is the soul of the sun God to emphasize her connection to Amun uh, while also respecting a Pharaoh's responsibility to Ma'at and Ma'at is the, um, the goddess of justice, balance and order. Uh, and there are two A's in both of both of those names in Ma'at and Ma'at Kare. Um, so I, I think Ma'at's super interesting and there are like seven principles of Ma'at that a pharaoh was supposed to uphold. And they are truth, balance, order, harmony, righteousness, morality, and justice. And so I, in, in connecting herself both with Amun and with Ma'at, she's kind of taking on the two biggest parts of being a pharaoh and being like, yeah, I got it. I'm here. This is, I am the pharaoh. Like there should be no questioning. Um, 
And and the reason we know that she took the name Maad Kare is because there are cartouches of Maad Kare directly next to cartouches of her her birth name Hatshepsut. And so it's it, it's clear that that's who that is. There wasn't an, another person. Um, there are even Osirian statues of her. Uh, so Pharaohs usually got uh, statues of themselves as Osiris, who is the god of fertility and life and resurrection, um, which is which is kind of to show like they'll be resurrected after death and they'll like they'll come back in a, in a different form kind of. So, so like she has all of the, the kind of accolades that go along with being a Pharaoh. Um, there are, <laughs> there are legends of her birth, which are my favorite. And the, the, the main one is, uh, so Amun, the, the God, the, the, the king of the gods essentially goes to Amos, who was Hatshepsut's mother. Uh, but he looks like Tutmos the first, who was her father and awakens her with pleasant odors. And then he touches his ankh to Amos's nose and boom, she's pregnant. Baby, it's happening. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a way to describe it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what the legend says. Um, and then yes. the god Kenum is uh, instructed on how to create her body and her soul, which is um, the soul was usually referred to as Ka. Um, and Kenan was the, the god who forms the bodies of humans. Uh, I don't remember if that's true. I'm not going to say that because I can't remember if that's true for me to tell class. So we'll go on. Um, and then Kenan and Hecate, the goddess of life, led Amos to a lioness's bed where she gave birth to Hatshepsut. So she's got connections with one, two, three, four, <laughs> four different gods. Hold on just a second. Clearly, let him chime in. I have to go uh, stop her or she won't stop. Please excuse me and enjoy some Zakia time. <laughs> okay. Um, well, hey, gang. Let's see. I don't want to just start telling a whole story and then have to stop. Um, but I did bring up the idea of being an herbalist earlier. So I will talk about the time I made it. Candles that exploded and didn't know until I sold. Hey! <laughs> Hello, I'm back. I apologize profusely for my, my loud baby cat. Uh, what about exploding? Uh, I was, I was going to talk about herbalism for a minute, and I brought up, I made candles that accidentally exploded, and I didn't realize until after I'd sold a lot of them. Like, a lot of them. Oh. <laughs> That oil to beeswax ratio was really important. I can I ask you? Can I commission you to make me exploding, exploding candles? candles? <laughs> is that a thing I can ask of you as my friend? Can I pay you to make me exploding candles? It's it's not safe. It's not safe. I'll make one for you, but it's sort of like a will will it or won't it? And I, that's sort of the fun of it. I have people to send these to. Oh, got you. Okay, good. Yes. Um, thank you, everyone, for hanging in there with um, all of this chaos today. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, so she's got connections with somewhere around four to six gods, and she makes them very public. And so whether people believe the legend of her birth to be true or not, the rumor that she has this kind of connection is enough to further cement her place as kind of the rightful ruler. Um, 
but like good story either way great story uh there's even a pottery pottery wheel of kenham which depicts her as a little boy um to kind of like further further that along like kenham like clearly kenham was part of this if he like has a if there's pottery of her depicted as a little boy like that's definitely right <laughs> and on that similar note uh, she kind of maintains the entire time that she with her, was her father's intended heir, even if Tutmos II ruled first. Uh, she maintained that she was the one that he that he meant to take the tr take the throne all along. And there were uh, reliefs carved by an oracle of Amun who proclaimed that Hatshepsut was also Amun's chosen, as well, which is interesting. I I kind of like the idea that she had that confidence of like. No, my dad knew I was supposed to be the one doing this. We just had to like sit through my brother for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Why not? If you're king, queen, might as well just make it up. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, so nearing the end of her reign, she lets the third have an increasingly prominent role as leader, which is, I think, a very smart way of like passing it off if you've if you've been co-regent for with with him for for years and then being like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna phase myself out. You tag in. Um, and so Hatshepsut dies early in the year of 1458 in her 22nd year as king. Um, she either died of an, an, an infected tooth abscess, a toxic ingredient used in an ointment to alleviate a chronic skin condition, or bone cancer. They're not really sure which one. They're pretty sure they have the right mummy, but they're not sure which one was like the final piece of it all, I guess. Hmm. I guess that's, I mean, it's pretty good for 600 years. Yeah, I mean, she was, she was, she was 50 when she died. And then she might have been moved, but she might not have been moved. But we're pretty sure we found her. <laughs> that's all it takes. That's good enough for now. Yeah. Um, so originally she's interred with her dad, uh, but during the III's reign, a new tomb for him is constructed, and then he's moved and reinterred somewhere else. Um, I didn't specify which one because a lot of a lot of dig sites in Egypt are just um, designated by KV and then sixty or KV forty five or whatever, and that's not helpful to anyone in terms of location. So we're just going to say they moved him. <clears throat> Aaron says better check to make sure she's not in St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's not there. I hope not. I wouldn't um, be surprised. I, uh, that's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's interred. She may have been reinterred somewhere else as well. We're not entirely sure, but we're pretty sure we have the right mummy. Um, and then near the end of the III's reign, when his son, Amenhotep II, is co-regent, uh, and then also into the run of Amenhotep II, records of Hatshepsut are being purged. Like public records um, of her are purged. Cartouches and images and statues and walls and all, all kinds of things that she built um, are torn down or scraped away or... Um, the, the obelisks were walled up. It, like they're, they're trying to erase what she did. Uh, so most people think this was, most people don't think this was a like um, a malicious act. 
it was either done by Amenhotep II to try and strengthen his claim to the throne, which mm -hmm. wasn't super strong. He was technically Tutmos III's son, but he was born to a secondary or a tertiary wife rather than like the great, the main queen. Um, or it was Tutmos III trying to do a similar thing um, and and kind of keep his son, you know, like, like, like this is like this is the appropriate heir. This is my son. He is the appropriate heir. Um, so there's there's those two main um, beliefs about why this was. There's also kind of a school of thought that was um, Amenhotep was trying to Amenhotep and Tutmos were trying to dissuade women from trying to do the same thing, even though it was like a pretty <laughs> chill run. things. <laughs> She didn't beef it. It was pretty great. I no, don't know. It was, it was a good job. Haters. So, so who who's to say? Um, Amenhotep. I'm I'm low key annoyed at Amenhotep because he like also tries to claim Hatshepsut's building projects as his own and like other accomplishments as his own. Um, and then he's also kind of shitty because his reign is pretty infamous for not recording the names of his queens and kind of eliminating powerful titles and official roles for royal women like Godwife of Amun. So, like, Amenhotep's not that great. He's, <laughs> he's just mad, yeah. Yeah, he's just kind of a dick. And, like, and like uncomfortable with his not super strong claim to the throne, I think. Which, get out of here. <laughs> get over yourself. A baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, thankfully, most of the records and images of her that were destroyed were just the most public ones. Um, and so, so like by the time, like the 1800s CE roll around and people start like breaking into tombs and kind of being shitty, but like archeologically digging quote unquote, um, and they find the tombs, like all the information about her kind of comes out and her history's unearthed again. And she, she kind of comes back into the world, which is great. So thankfully, <laughs> thankfully they didn't like, oh, you good? Yes. <laughs> Thankfully, they didn't like take like take shit too far and like go into tombs and try and wreck that. So that's nice, and that's how we know about her. Um. So okay. So like one last big hatchups thing. I know I've been talking for like forty five minutes about this. This is the last big historic thing. Um. So there's a lot of discussion about. Was Hatshepsut like gender nonconforming? Was she genderqueer? Was she trans? Was it like? Was it all just a political act to get a wider acceptance uh, of her subjects on her side? Um, and the answer is we really don't know. Um, she's depicted, de like I said, she's depicted with like a male, like a traditionally masculine physique and a fake beard and all of that and cartouches. Uh, there are cartouches where Hatshepsut is re referred to as his majesty, but there are also ones where she's referred to as the king herself. Um, but also the male pharaohs wore the fake beards as a sign of status. And there are depictions of her in a more feminine way. Um, not all AFAB pharaohs had themselves depicted in a more masculine form. That was kind of her choice. I don't think Sobekneferu did any of that or um, Cleopatra or any of that. So maybe, maybe not. We're not really entirely sure. This could also be kind of a side effect of a patriarchal society where people are less likely to believe in your ability to lead if you're not a man. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, it, there's, there's a ton of schools of thought about like the gender queerness of Hatshepsut and how entirely valid it was and how entirely true it was. 
And honestly, the only person who knows died 3,000 years ago. Um, so we, we won't know. And really, it's not that much of our business. I hope she was happy. That's really all I care about. Exactly. As long as she had a good time. Um, yeah. Like, she did a good-ass job. So who knows? Um, but yeah, I just think that's an interesting, like, thing to be brought up from, from history. May or may not have been genderqueer but was definitely a badass. And on that note, that's all my notes. So do you want to talk about your build? I do. Okay. I'll I'll walk you through the, where I was at in my brain, in my heart, in my mind. And I was building her. Um, So easily, like I, she's phenomenal. She's very smart. Um, And she did a lot. And part of me was just like, this is, like a really well-sponsored cleric um, or warlock, (laughs) same difference. Um, But then it was like, no, 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 because she did all this work to make sure that like this Pharaoh is connected to the gods. She's everybody's wife, mom, sister, daughter, friend, and lover. Like she's so connected to the bloodline in so many different ways. I think she's the god. So I was like, how do you build a class for someone that would be someone's patron? Um, so no cleric, no warlock. She's that for somebody else, whoever, sure. yeah, everyone, yeah. potentially. So here we have our um, very simple mastermind rogue. And I'm going to take, it's officially Mr. Gygax would have me call it the clockwork soul sorcerer. But this is Egypt. So it's the sundial sword soul sorcerer that's so cool <laughs> so here we are um i only gave uh i only gave her three levels in mastermind rogue first off i love rogue subclasses that are not um about being tricky or like being like a thief yeah. i love that um so she class features here we are okay so she has like these can things like that i gave her um, proficiencies in insight, persuasion, performance, and investigation, because she's a politician. Yes. I don't think she needs to learn how to sneak around. I mean, I think she probably does know, yeah. but <laughs> these are, that's the firework, man, of course. Um, yeah, I think these are the most important ones. Um, I gave her expertise in performance and insight, um, controlling her perception and reading other people's um, Every, all the rogues have sneak attack and thieves can't. Um, she has a uh, master of intrigue, which gives her proficiency at a game and two languages. I mean, like I can pick D and D languages, but there's whatever the languages were at the time. Right. It would make sense. Like, so she can she talk knows to people in, in, in punt and yes. Yeah. Yes. Makes and sense. the, the people that invaded that are either from the Mediterranean or the Hicks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Master of Tactics. So she can use the help action as a bonus action. Again, I'm like, all of these things that she's doing, I'm thinking they're on her whim when she decides to do them. Yeah. And they're usually to benefit some sort of project that she's doing. Yeah. I think she she has it like a degree of altruism, but in the way that she's in charge of everyone. So <laughs> yeah. everything she has has to have a degree of altruism. Um, so that's what we have for Rogue. Love it. Uh, then Sundial Soul. Let's see. These are just spells. That's not what I want. Class features. Okay. 
Um, so this is sort of uh, Clockwork Soul is weird. I th it kind of just seems like the steampunk subclass, but it's not. Um, <laughs> it's like a, a cosmic force. This is a cosmic force of order has suffused you with magic, um, but it comes. It's like a. It's about efficiency and like interdimensionality and like like taking the phrase being at the right place at the right time and just sort of like expanding it. Um, so I was like the way that the gods have set her up to rule, the way that she set herself up, all of her success, mm -hmm. interdimensional right place at the right time. This is where she's moving from. So get back to my other notes. Um, none of that. Okay, so clockwork magic. She gets access to a lot of like, like lesser restoration, dispel magic, right. protection from evil and good, that kind of thing. Um, she has something called restore balance. So she can equalize chaotic moments. When a creature you can see within 60 feet of you is about to roll a d20 uh, with advantage or disadvantage, you can use your reaction to prevent the roll from being affected by an advantage or disadvantage. That's so cool. She's powerful. I'm thinking of things that she can use when she's like, in a court with people without it being like, this is my staff, you know? I wanna yeah. give her subtle things. She can do that too if she wants. Um, but she can do that the number of times that is equal to her proficiency bonus, which in this case is... I think it should be four if she's a 10. Yes, it's four. Um, then we have Font of Magic, which is just sorcery points. Uh, Meta Magic, I gave her subtle, subtle spell, which again, Subtlety is everything. And um, seeking spell. So uh, if you make an attack roll for a spell and miss, you can spend two sorcery points to re-roll the d20. So essentially it looks like she never misses. <laughs> She's a king. Um, then I gave... Exactly. Now that's a t-shirt. <laughs> I will add it to the list. Thank you. Uh, ability score improvement. Uh, we'll get to the scores. Why I gave her yeah. constitution and intelligence. We'll get there. Uh, but there, this is what I gave her Sundial Soul for. Uh, something called something <laughs> called Bastion of Law. Um, that it says you can tap into the grand equation of existence to imbue a creature with a shimmering shield of order. Um, you can expend one to five sorcery points to create a magical ward around yourself and another creature within 30 feet of you. Um, That's a lot. Big <laughs> cool shield. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Um, let's see. Uh, the ward lasts until you finish a long rest or until you use this feature again. Um, the ward is represented by a number of D8s equal to the numbers. So it's okay. Numbers. Numbers. When the warded creature takes damage, it can expend a number of those dice, roll them, and reduce the damage taken by the total rolled by those dice. So it's a shield that can, like, take damage for you. That's so um, which is so good. And when we'll, we're going to get to ability score, just why I think she would just use this on herself. Yeah. But definitely one of her brother, husband, uncle, son, fathers. Um, right. <laughs> for sure. Because, <laughs> because uh, I gave highest with, um, oh, no, this is without the modifiers. Highest is intelligence of 16 because she's smart. She's educated. She went to Egyptian Spellman, I'm sure. Yes. Um, she has high charisma score, 15, uh, because politician. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, high dex, mostly 
I, I just feel like there's a lot of like walking around. I was thinking about like when you work at Disneyland, the right. amount of moving you do during the day, it would feel like an easy job. It's not. Um, so high decks. Uh, then uh, constitution. I beefed up her constitution. One, because I feel like she parties hard. And two, um, I feel like genetically, like the money's just not there to right. support her. <laughs> With all just, that double dub. Yeah, yeah. just not enough there. Um, and then I gave her low wisdom because I honestly feel like she, like nothing about being a royal is like natural. Like all of this has mm. to be learned. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes yeah, like, a lot of sense. Yeah, you can't like rely on human instinct. Like that's not how most rulers work, um, I feel. So I gave her a 10 on wisdom and then very low on strength again because... Everyone's a little related. A lot of related, actually. Very much so, related. And what does she need strength for? What is she carrying? Other than the kingdom on her shoulders, but metaphorically. That's a metaphor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't need a high strength score for that. That's why she's got high intelligence. For all those metaphors. Exactly. To delegate, to do the things that a good strength score could do. <laughs> um, what else? What do we talk about? We talked about mastermind. Oh, background. I gave her a royal um, a royal background, which is by mm -hmm. someone named JD on D&D Beyond. Ooh. Their homebrew section is beautiful. Um, it's essentially the same. It gives you proficiencies in history and performance, um, two extra languages. And uh, there's a feature called Bow, oh, Bow Peasant. Um, <laughs> so people are obligated to respect your choices, obey your commands, and grant your wishes. Um, essentially little bit of a charisma boost. Yeah. Um, which is really nice. And what is left? Do you have any big like spell, like big important spells that you were... That I was motivated by, particularly. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, most of them are like regular um, things that would help. I tried to give as many like earth-related spells because mm -hmm. she's not an architect, but I imagine she could like go to a construction site and flex if she wanted to. So right, like, like she knows up. Yes. If she wanted to do Maximilian's earth and grasp to just sort of show off, she can. Yeah. Whatever. That makes sense to me. Um, what else? Yeah, no, I think that's like message, mine, sliver, mold earth, mage yep. armor, these kind of things. Her magic items though. Yes, I, hit me with those. <laughs> I gave her, I only gave her two. Um, I gave her a, a rod of alertness that I wanted to be a scepter. Yes, I had that one too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then I then I won't go over it. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. But, yeah, so I gave her that. And then I gave um, the cloak of invisibility, but it was something else. I think I made it a ring. Nice. But that, because I just think that would just be helpful. Sometimes you don't want to be seen. She's out here being famous. I just think that would be nice. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's it. Uh, oh, what did her, what did her HP end up? Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Oh, cat time. Every time. Ah, cat time. It's cat time. He's fine. Uh, sleeping. She has 56 hit points. Um, nice. armor class of 12, which again, Royal guards. Yeah. 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 And plus two to initiative. Nice. I mean, she doesn't even need the Royal guards. She has that cool ass shield. She can just hold. Like if something pops off, she can just hold in place. Like, and she'll no. be all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just no. refuse. 
to be heard today. So I'm just yeah. So this was this was the um, homebrew yes. pre God build. I love it. That's so right. good. Our lovely king. Yes. Okay, now what are you working with? I kind of went a similar idea, except for I went demigod, not full god. Yes. So I started with four levels of divine soul sorcerer. Yes. Um, and then three levels of college of lore bard. Mm-hmm. And then bring it around with uh, order domain order 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 domain cleric. Yes. Um, yes. I tried. I kind of tried to like stack it like it would have gone in life. Like here's like her origin story because she's you know demigod baby kid, and then like college of lore in in like in all of that like talking and mingling she does with all the royals and then finally order domain cleric kind of going back to that mod kind of mentality uh i realized that there is the amonkhet like things that could have been taken but also that's like cheating yes yes (laughs) um so for divine soul let me pull this up hold on uh for divine soul she gets a favored by the gods so if you fail a saving throw or miss an attack you can add 2d4 and add that to the total possibly changing the outcome which Mm -hmm. is in the same vein of kings don't miss yes um she gets cure wounds because she's good um because i like she's not evil i don't think she's neutral i think she's good um and that's really all she gets for divine soul as a she's only a fourth level because i went double multi-class um Mm -hmm. But for her, her meta magic, I gave her subtle spell as well. Uh, and then I also gave her twin spell. Um, just so maybe if like she can get a little bit more coverage of her abilities. Um, and then College of Lore Bard, she, you know, you get jack of all trades, sex, all that, all that, all that business. Yes. Uh, she also gets three extra proficiencies, skill proficiencies, um, four technically for multi-classing into Bard. Um and then cutting words, so you can use your wit to distract, confuse, or otherwise sap the confidence of confident confidence or competence of others, um, which just seems like king shit. Essentially, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I think that would be cool. I like it, so that's where I went with that. And then also uh, for order domain cleric. She gets uh, command, heroism, zone of truth, and hold person just for being an order domain or yeah, order domain cleric. Um, she also gets proficiency with uh, intimidation and persuasion. Wait, really? It's okay. Um, so she gets those as well, which I hadn't necessarily given her yet, or I, I'd given her persuasion, but I was like, okay, well, I'll take intimidation too since I, since I get it. Um, and then there's voice of authority, which is you invoke the power of the power of law here, but I think it's kind of like the power of like order and um, all of those seven lovely traits Mm -hmm. um, to embolden the attack of an ally. So just like pumping allies Uh, and then channel divinity divinity orders demand, which is um, (laughs) wave. It's okay. Come here. Come here. Come over here. Come sit with me. Yes. Hello. Okay. Hi. <laughs> she is here to say hello. Um, so you can use like your holy symbol 
and a creature of your choice that can see or hear you within 30 feet has to make a wisdom saving throw or be charmed by you until the end of their next term. So kind of turning people to her side, which is what she did for, you know, most of, most of her, most of her time is time is King. Um, I thought a cool arcane focus for her would be the beard because it's such like a symbol of power. So having like the beard as an arcane focus would be kind of cool. Yes. <laughs> Very um, cool. Yeah. I was, I was pleased with that. Uh, also, I know I couldn't find a ton of like weaponry for the middle kingdom. Mm-hmm. That was, all of it was pretty, like pretty standard, like spears and javelins and all that. And I was like, none of that really fits, but I gave her two daggers because daggers are royal and sexy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I exactly. say. <laughs> so they could be really cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, she gets expertise. I gave her expertise in persuasion and religion, which puts her persuasion at a plus 12, which is stupid. Yes. Um, and then religion, I gave, I gave it a a double up because she, you know, she has such like this big, not like this big overarching knowledge of, of religion and using it to her advantage. Uh, and then she also has arcana, deception, history, insight, intimidation, perception, and performance. Um, because lots of lots of multi-class means lots of skill proficiency. Yes. Uh, That's a good I ended, split too. I didn't yeah, even think about our comments. Yeah, that would have I I didn't give her any of the physical ones because there's no reason, like you said. Yeah. Um her charisma ended up at 18 because I took the the skill bump at level four for sorcerer. Um wisdom's a 15. I, I I like what you said about all of the the like wisdom stuff being taught or all the all the royal stuff being taught and I hadn't considered it from that angle and I think if I had I would have flipped intelligence and wisdom because her intelligence is a thirteen which isn't bad or anything yeah but I really like the idea of like royals have to be taught this and it's not innate which makes so much sense yeah but I like uh, that too that like kind of gives her like it lets her own her own success yeah like it was just in her the whole time. That was kind of the direction I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so th- there's that, and then cons- and, and also like from a strictly like building standpoint, she should have high wisdom because she's part cleric. But yes. we don't talk about that. Um, Constitution's a fourteen for those concentration checks, uh, and like you said, you gotta you gotta have something in your corner when you're a product of many many generations of incest. Mm-hmm. Um, Dexterity is an eleven, uh, and strength is a nine because there's no reason. Uh, she has bardic inspiration, which is cool. Um, and then I think, so I have a truly ridiculous amount of spells. I think something like 16 or 17 spells. Yeah. Um, but I only, but I can only pick from first and second level spells because of multiple multi-classes, but I can cast those up to level five. So it all kind of like shakes out in the wash. I also have 10 cantrips for fucking no reason. (laughs) Um, should be all right yeah yeah just lots like a whole book of just like hey do i need to do this hey do i need to do this who knows um she's got vicious mockery um because i like the idea of a queen this is saying too much about me i'm not gonna say that um Mm -hmm. dancing Mm -hmm. lights thaumaturgy sacred flame prestidigitation shocking grasp uh minor illusion all those kind of good good base cantrips that are that are going to be really versatile as a as a royal i'm not looking at twitch chat because say, sure. aaron did say say it 
He's no, he would like going to do it. No, I'm not doing it. Um she has protection from good and evil and cure wounds from being a cleric, a uh, charm person. And then I also gave her both bless and bane because I, she, she deserves it. She deserves it. Um, healing word, because I feel like, like there's, there's that little bit of altruism and like, she's kind of bringing, she's bringing them back from this period of, of being cut off from everything. So I like mm -hmm. the idea of like healing in that way too. Uh, comprehend languages for the same reason that you gave her a shit ton of languages. Yep. Um, and then I wanted her to have some kind of offensive magic. So I gave her witch bolt and thunder wave mm -hmm. because they seem very like every time, every time I play with witch bolt and thunder wave, I'm like, this feels very like, I'm just going to be over here wrecking your shit with this spell. So that. Not maybe not royal, but a little bit. Yes, at um, least bougie, if not royal. That's the word. It's bougie, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what are the, the the last big ones? Lesser restoration, same reason as the healing and prayer of healing. Um, phantasmal force, just because I like the idea of a lot of these can like feed into her her narrative of being a demigod. Um, and then my last big one was alter self, because. That'd be nice. Yeah. Sometimes that'd be nice. I think that would be really helpful. I think she yeah. would definitely take advantage of that. Yeah, it's, and like, especially with like, okay, like like car, like I need this statue, but I need to be in like a more masculine figure traditionally, and then exactly. be like, here's here's the example. Go forth. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. The ability to alter self as like a figure model would be. <laughs> Here we have an artist. There need to be spells. <laughs> there just need to be spells. I agree. If I could do magic, oh, I, that would be so fun. Um, I have a few options of cool things that I think thought she could have. Um, Amulet of Planes. Oh, we're speeding. We're going. Uh, Amulet of Planes. Uh, because who want, who doesn't want to pop over into a different plane and chat with their godly parent? Yes. Uh, circlet of blasting one because circlets are pretty and two because circlet of blasting is a very cool way to smite someone who's mm -hmm. pissing you off um, gem of seeing so she can keep an eye on things yes uh, and see like uh, what was it I don't have the book with me right now but um, she can see like the I think it's invisible things and like hidden things uh, broad of alertness like you said and then lion figurines of wondrous power which I think just would like sit with her 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 vibe very well and um <laughs> i know i hate flying <laughs> ladybug says that i hate flying and she's right i do um but i would like to i would like that option <laughs> and aaron saying so anyway i started blasting <laughs> thank you thank you for these two beautiful gifts yes gifts yes. not gifts um yeah just the idea of her being able to like throw out lion figurines and then like walking out into like the promenade and being like hello i'm here i'm the pharaoh what's up yes the image if i if i had artistic ability i would draw the shit out of that but akia has seen my artistic ability and it I, is none leg does have artistic ability i don't all of you i think if we request enough of it Maybe we'll get 
I'll just give you, we'll do a week of, of Ashoka and a week of um, Doom to Repeat where the art is. I would love for you to do the art for a week. I would. I would simply it. cry. The kids, the kids I take care of sometimes are like, hey, will you, will you draw this animal for me? And I genuinely feel a wave of anxiety rush through me when they're like, hey, can you draw a giraffe? And I'm like, Absolutely, I fucking can't. But you're three, and I can't tell you that. So, <laughs> art is terrible. Aaron, stop saying things. Um, and that, my friends, is the end of our talks on Hatshepsut. I'm sorry it was a little hectic this week. I had a blast. I'm glad Zakia was with me. Thank yes. you so much, my friend. Of course, this was fun. Yes. As always, we have all kinds of fun things coming up. Um, like I said at the beginning, Ashoka's back on Friday. Uh, episode 7 is a wild ride. I was looking at my notes, and they're they're rad. <laughs> no pun intended. I was going to say, we have to separate. Um, so yes, that'll be coming back on Friday. Uh, as always, on Mondays, watch Aaron on the Sheep Farm, playing playing through some video games. Assassin's Creed has been the most recent. Uh, and we should thank Aaron for running OBS. Aaron and Sergio always run OBS for Heroes, and I can't yes. make a heart with my hands right now, but I appreciate you. Oh, so. oh yeah, I forgot that's all you can do. Yes. This always just looks like an X to me. Like I thought it was money at first. It was like, oh, yeah. I see that, but yeah, it's a little baby art. Wild. Uh, and I think you're next on Ironsworn, right? I think I rolled you. I would like... Really? I'm pretty sure I rolled you. Oh, boy. I think, okay. I think it was you. It was either you or Eli. I'm pretty sure. I mean, you. I have to catch up. I'm like three episodes behind. That's okay. But It's very stressful. <laughs> it's. I heard we're in a good, safe place right now. That everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And everyone's going to live. I think we ended somewhere pretty safe. I can't remember. I there was lots of fighting. It was very fun. Oh good. Uh, you still you still have a wife. You still have a child. You still good. have big old beefcake arms. So you're sad. Then that's all I need. Yeah. Then yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, is there anything that you want to shout out or plug before we before we end this chaos? <laughs> um. Oh boy. Not that I can think of. Uh, not yet. Very soon there will be many things, but for now it's fine. I'm very excited to hear all of those when you can tell us them. Uh, in the meantime, everyone take care of yourselves. There's still a pandemic going on. Please wear masks. Um, mm -hmm. Hug people that you are safe to hug. Tell people mm -hmm. that you love that you love them. These mm -hmm. are all reminders that humans should have. I... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everyone just take care. Thank you guys for joining us in this. Have a lovely night. <laughs> Bye. <Good> night. <laughs>